Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through. Keeping their delicate skin healthy and happy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick and goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable. When my oldest was little, she would get the worst diaper rash. It left me feeling so desperate to help her while also wanting something gentle on her skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor. When she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash, she let nothing get in her way. You can use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel confident that you are making the right choice. Dr. Mom is committed to providing an ultra-premium formula for moms that won't settle when it comes to their little ones. Soothe and restore with active ingredients being dimethicone and petrolatum. You can find more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com or find it on Amazon or walmart.com. You are listening to the VBAC Link Podcast special episode number nine. Today, we are going to be talking with one of our very favorite people. Her name is Lynn Christian, and she is actually our business mentor. But guys, if you didn't already know, we had to find a business mentor. You know, like partnerships are a little hard. A little and tricky. Megan and I, we love each other deeply, but mm-hmm. there are also some times where we really don't like each other very much. (laughs) (laughs) We we butt heads from time to time. Yeah, but it's, you know, two strong-willed women. You can kind of anticipate that. But um, Lynn's helped us really build a solid foundation, and she's helping us strategize and get ready for the next level VBAC link. And we are so excited to have her here. And just in case um, you had some questions about her credentials, let me tell you how badass this lady is. (laughs) She is... She has all these certifications, and she's going to explain them to you in just a minute. But for those of you that know MCC, CFCC, she's Certified Conversational Intelligence Coach and MBIT Coach. She has worked for some really big companies, like leading innovation, like at Franklin Covey Coaching. And she was a former ambassador for the World Association for Business Coaches. And she has a certification, I think it was the... Mbit one maybe where the only like 2,000 people in the whole world have it. And so Megan actually found her Google search. Mm-hmm. Yay um, for Google. Yes, I know. <laughs> because again, we were having some little struggle in our partnership and Megan really knocked it out of the park finding Lynn because she's pretty awesome. So she's going to talk with us today about conversational intelligence in regards to birth and VBAC specifically. We're going to talk about how we talk about birth and how it impacts the outcomes of our birth and how how we as a culture feel about birth based on how we're talking and thinking about it. So before we do that, we're going to do our sweet little intro for you, and then we'll see you on the flip side. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. 
Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Welcome back. We have got such a treat for you today. Lynn is amazing. She's reinvented herself personally and professionally over a dozen times. She excels with reinventing clients. That's what we're trying to do here, right? That's why she's so good for us. From the creative class to startup established executives, she welcomes humble and willing clients who need both compassion and courage to support them into the next level. And I think that's kind of what me and Megan are so driven to her is because she's very compassionate and she drives us to be better. And she tells us when um, when we're doing things not quite right, like trying to juggle 15 too many things at once. At once. <laughs> we're still working on that. But anyways, to, to read more about Lynn and see exactly what her business is up to, go to her website. It's soulsalt.com. That's S-O-U-L-S-A-L-T.com. She's amazing. She's legit. And you are just really going to get a taste of how badass she really is in just a second. But Lynn, hi and Hello. welcome. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be with you guys. Yeah, we're, we're so pretty excited. excited. We've been counting down the days until yeah. we could have this episode with you. Yeah, well, usually thank you. we just meet thank for you. like thirty minutes on right. We get on in Wednesdays, and we do our but little now we have like an hour yeah. micro and sessions, and we go for it, don't we? <laughs> yeah. So, do you want to tell these people a little bit more about like uh, your background and what these credentials that I said, all these letters that most people probably don't know what don't they know. mean? What <laughs> right. Do they mean? Those, so yeah. those are my um, those are my coaching credentials. I have a, a bachelor's degree in education, and I spent fifteen years as a school teacher. And yet there was this part of me that was consistently innovating and coming from left field and knowing that there were trends I could see coming down the track that we needed to avoid in public education. And that's just really not the place to make a point Mm -hmm. like that, Yeah, Uh, especially at the time when standardized tests were going to be the demigod and all would bow to that. And that's how we would judge children. And so I had to leave education and I just discovered that, you know, I had this curiosity, maybe business would pay me to be this innovative. And I ran into a coach. That was the first time I saw a coach. And she helped me rewrite my resume. She helped me find the right place. And I started working for Franklin Covey as a writer and developer and found out they were pretty jazzed to have somebody who could think outside of the box, yes. could write and could Innovate could manage projects, stay on time. I mean, that's what you have to do with 30 to 40 students yeah. and their parents mm-hmm. is you have to manage a lot of different relationships and you have to get work done despite what comes in the door and out the door daily. So I found out I was pretty good at business and found some respect there. Got my professional project management certification, which is called a PMP. And when people used to see that behind my name, they would think, okay, is that PIMP? What is that? So, no, that's project management professional. (laughs) I'm just pimping out the projects. Yes. (laughs) But I kept working on my coaching because I had been fascinated by the process I went through when I left education and jumped into business. Mm -hmm. Big jump. That was one of the reinvention jumps. And I had studied that. I had studied coaching because the personal development I noticed in the woman who was my first coach was something I was hungry for. Mm -hmm. And so I did not have an intention to become a coach. I had the intention to use the coach training as a means for personal development. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, you go through the school, 
you study and you need to have, in order to graduate, you need to have certain hours of practicum work. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty good at that. And people were willing to pay me. So, yeah. so you're like, hey, yeah, I've got the, something That's here. right. And by the time I finished, I was actually doing a coaching job out of a project management innovation system and center where I would spend, I would spend two days a month training people on a project management process mm. and the rest of the month coaching them to use that process. And the COO at the time, Marva Sadler, wanted to run an ROI which is a return on investment mm -hmm. study on the work that we were doing in this, this project management innovation center. And we found out in nine months of working this way, we'd accrued $4 million of closed projects. Nice. Wow. So I had, by that time I had all my hours in, I had some other certifications in the coaching world and I decided I was gonna start a small business on the side. And what I'm pretty good at Three things, working with leaders who need to go to the next level. They're not quite sure how to do that. But a lot of times we find that if they want to shift the culture that they're leading, they need to shift the relationships. If they shift the relationships, they have to pay attention to the conversations. And it's the sort of things that you've alluded to. We need to have the tough conversations mm -hmm. in a very conversationally intelligent manner. Mm -hmm. When we are transparent, when we build trust, when we are able to find mutual success when we are able to respect one another and use our words in such a way that we can talk about anything and everything, we choose the right time and the right way to do that, meaning right, meaning what fits the people, what will fit the not just the people in the audience, but what will fit the, the process that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. What are the issues and how do we attach ourselves to those in a way that's intelligent, compassionate, but courageous? Yeah. yeah, And so, um, I mean, it, it kind of sums up conversational intelligence. There's actually a book I've studied under Judith E. Glaser, been certified by her. And uh, she and I started a podcast called What's Your Conversational Intelligence? Yeah. But if anyone is reading Brene Brown's book, Dare, or, uh, yeah, Dare to Lead, is that it? I think so. Yeah. yeah, Dare to Lead. You're going to find that Brene comes from a social science background. And Judith came from a neuroscience background. And mm -hmm. basically what we're doing is we're talking about how do we help people manage conversations. And some of those conversations I'm fascinated in are these leadership conversations. What are the entrepreneurs doing in their conversations with one another, as you guys have attested to, yep. that helps them better mm -hmm. lead the culture they're building in their own business. Yeah. And then when you're reinventing, when you're completely reinventing, like I have two clients came in today they don't know what they're going to do in the next three months. They have credentials. They have jobs. But they're not fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And they're they're very sure, and I am sure with them, that they have something else to offer mm -hmm. that can be on purpose, can be meaningful. You know, purpose doesn't always mean that you're going to do the same thing for all your life. There are different adventures and missions and seasons for us to develop ourselves. So... Um, those are some of the things I do, and in order to do that, I have a master certification from the Coach Federation, or from the, yeah, from the Coach Federation, the ICF, International Coach Federation. I have a CFCC through Franklin Covey. I mean, these are just some of my credentials. I don't have them all there because it looks kind of like alphabet soup. <laughs> uh, but I've been very interested in neuroscience. I've been interested in what was going on in the multiple brain integration, knowing that we have complex neural networks in our heart in our gut, and those now constitute a brain. 
And I didn't say a mind. I said a brain. <laughs> so we know we have neural networks within both. And the job of a complex neural network is to listen and to communicate. And so when we listen and communicate with these other networks and what Glaser would say, the four brains, you know, mm -hmm. the brain stem, the limbic brain, the neocortex, the prefrontal cortex, we drop into the 400 or 40,000 neuro, neuro, neurites, I can't talk tonight, the 40,000 sensory neurites in the heart mm -hmm. and about the 500 million neurons in the enteric brain, nice. which starts at the back of your throat and ends at your back door. Those systems wow. can talk together. When they do... What has been my experience with my clients is it's almost like you have an inner plumb line mm -hmm. and you can hear your wisdom. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm really interested in because, um, and I don't think I've told you guys this, my mother gave birth cesarean to four of us. Really? Oh. By the time she had my youngest brother, I'm second, uh, it was an emergency, it was an emergency situation mm -hmm. because my brother was actually just coming through the wall of her oh, of her yeah, abdominal area you know she mm -hmm. he was just reaching through there you could mm -hmm. see his little fist oh, coming wow. and she'd had her that was her fourth c-section mm. and that was her last child mm -hmm. um there was just no other option for her right and so as i think about it having had three children myself and i had them all vaginally i think what a great opportunity it was for me to have them in that way mm-hmm um, that was just my, the mode that I preferred, and I had the privilege to be able to have that. That's what worked for me. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about women who may be in my mother's situation with a first child and then being able to maybe reverse that or have a chance to have a vaginal birth, what a gift you guys give. So I was excited to talk to you about Yay. what are the conversations that go on inside of a mother's mind when she's contemplating having a child or when she knows she's conceived and then she faces the reality of, okay, so what will this gestation period be like and what will the birth be like? Mm -hmm. And I have some compassion for that, having been there, having experienced vicariously through my mother's stories, what she went through. Yeah. And so that was what I was curious about is what's going on in the minds of your clients and how can we support them and maybe share some things about having stronger, more true, more focused conversations so that they can have a stronger ability to have an intelligent chance to hear themselves think in their head, in their heart, and in their gut. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. We we yeah. talk a lot on our podcast and our stories about, you know, In, learning as intuition. much as you can mm -hmm. and then trusting your gut, trusting your heart, trusting yeah. your mama instincts. And when you couple knowledge and that intuition together, beautiful things happen. Yes. And right. it's nice to know that science says so too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does. It does. You know, and I think that there's so many things that go through. I know for me, there were so many things that went through my mind and even now have had a vaginal birth mm -hmm. after my two C-sections. You know, my husband's still on the ixnay of no babies. But we're even then, I still question <laughs> myself, well, you know, what would happen next time? Would it end vaginal? Would it be a good idea for me? Maybe I should just end on this high note. You know, there's... There's so many things even now going through my mind. Yeah, you're still having a conversation in your head about it. I'm still having a conversation mm -hmm. in my head about it, and I'm not even trying to get pregnant. And yeah. when you are pregnant, <laughs> well, we're emotional because we're hormonal. Oh, yeah. So there are a lot of other things that go through minds. Um, I would say doubt 
would mm-hmm. be the biggest one mm-hmm. that I had and I know my clients talk about. I don't know, Julie, what your experience is with your clients as well. Mm-hmm. Do they have experienced a lot of doubt? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah or, and a lot of it is just coming from outside sources. Like, exactly. I, I'm glad yeah. we're doing this because, because we hope that the takeaway from this podcast for our listeners is that they can learn how to have better, more effective conversations with, with the people the that they sources. love yeah. that don't believe in them enough to have a vaginal birth or maybe believe all these different crazy things that people throw out about C-sections and, and right. feedback. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Because when people in your family, and you've heard they probably mean well, when people in your family resist you considering it or making that decision or people in the healthcare field... Whenever we feel criticized or judged or when we feel somebody coming after us like that, Mm -hmm. resisting us instead of partnering with us and going, okay, tell me more about this. Mm -hmm. Help me understand your vantage point. Mm -hmm. And then when I've understood yours, can I share mine and can we maybe have a dialogue instead of a debate? What we have to remember is we have some primitive brain activity going on. Like if you put your hand behind your neck where your brain stem is, it basically has four things that it's trying to do, and it does it really well to keep us alive. Mm-hmm. You know, it tells us, run away or fight, mm-hmm. or it tells mm-hmm. us, freeze, just freeze. Maybe it will go away, or freeze, you're going to get overwhelmed, so just freeze, or appease, which is a derivative of freezing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have the autonomic nervous system either going into sympathetic, run, fight, parasympathetic, freeze, appease. Okay, so we want to have this this V-back birth, right? Right. People resist us. So if we stopped long enough to look at where they might be coming from, they're probably in the back of their brain, and they're, then the, those brain functions and thoughts they're having are excreting cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Yep. Or they could be in the limbic brain, if you just come up a little further up the brain stem, to a place where we have the amygdala, and among other things, this part of the brain is this limbic brain is it stores our emotional history. Mm-hmm. So if they yeah. watched us go through something or if they've read something, you know, and there, there are a lot of people, we have to be so cautious today. I would say actually a better word. We need to be discerning and wise mm-hmm. as to what we read, where we get our information, yes. politically, spiritually, economically, in every way, and even in the world of health who we listen to. And so if somebody has had an experience of watching us struggle and they don't want that to happen to us or they've heard these horror stories and they don't want that to happen to us, of course they will resist. Right. They're going to tell us how they feel. They They will. They're protecting you. They, They believe that somehow, and they may not even be aware that that's what they're doing, right? Yeah. They may not even be aware that they're trying to protect or they're just afraid. I mean, it gets down to some real basic emotions that are instinctual that Mm -hmm. have kept us alive. When you get up into the neocortex, so if you put your hand up on your head where there's usually a calic or where you put your hat at the back, kind of the back of your your head, Mm. the neocortex, that's a place for thinking and bringing in information and being logical and analytical. It's where Dr. Sp or it's where Spock on Star Trek or Data started, right? Yeah, so yeah. we can do the Spock. Spock I'm a Star Wars nerd. Yeah, you're Star, <laughs> Star Trek, Star, or Star Wars. Star Trek, see, oh my gosh, don't tell me I said that. <laughs> so if we're in that place, we're going to be 
trying to figure it out. And when people say, well, you're in your head, they're right. You're in that neocortex. Mm -hmm. You're trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And where we need people to be when they have conversations about the VBAC, if and where they need to be, if they want to have partnership and have real intelligent conversations, is they need to be in the prefrontal cortex. That is our executive brain, the highest evolved brain, the place where we make really good decisions in difficult situations, a place where we can innovate, think mm -hmm. outside of the box, where we can create a new reality in the presence of another person, or wow. we can aspire to something. So if, if you want to have a VBAC birth and you can aspire to that, you've actually dropped into the heart. It's a heart dream, and you can feel your heart connecting with the visionary prefrontal cortex. You know, that third eye is right yeah. there too, that mm -hmm. chakra center. And it's trying to help you see the future. If the person that you're talking to is coming from the back of the brain and their brain is excreting cortisol and giving them stress, and you're trying to excrete oxytocin for this joy of the future, right? then you're going to be in conflict in the neurochemistry. Yeah. So then it behooves you to have a facilitated conversation or learn how to have a conversation where you can be transparent with each other use language that is I language instead of pointing fingers and blaming and looking at what you have in common, mm -hmm. seeing how are we alike? Mm -hmm. What do we agree on? Where do we have a we? Where can yeah, we partner? Mm -hmm. And then once you've done that, you start to build, okay, so then what could we do together? And how mm -hmm. should we proceed together? Yeah. And so that's a different way of thinking about it maybe from a scientific vantage point of what's going on to give you some of the mechanics behind or the neuroscience behind. Of the way people think. Right. And, yeah. and how emotions get involved. And then, you know, we also have the gut. We haven't even talked about the enteric system that starts again at the back of your throat, mm -hmm. goes all the way to your back door. There's a time when the fetus is developing that that tube that's going to become the stomach mm -hmm. is in charge. And yeah. the head and the heart are still developing, so it's kind of taken charge for a little while. Mm -hmm. Well, so at the end of the day, that doesn't leave us. And so for a while, that deep identity is still in the gut. Yeah. The gut's also very sensitive to, it, you know, our immune system's there. Most of our serotonin that we create comes from that. And serotonin mm -hmm. is like a life leadership sort of hormone or neurochemical that tells us we're okay, we're yeah. safe. We've mm. got this. Yeah. yeah, so you can see how when we start looking at oxytocin and serotonin, we're having a meeting of that prefrontal lobe, drops to the heart. There's a question about what does the gut say? What does my deep identity say? Does it say yes or no? Put up a boundary or not put up a boundary? It's a very nuanced thing, but we do have, you know, you've heard people and my TED Talk's all about this. Listen to your heart, follow your gut, use your head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Ancient wisdom has known this. Esoteric practices have told us this. Now we have the neuroscience to tell us there's something to that. Mm -hmm. So if we activate, according to multiple brain integration techniques, and ask questions of the heart, we're asking questions about what are we connected to? What are we relating to? Mm -hmm. What are we desiring? What are our emotions? When we're talking with the gut, we want to ask questions like, what does my deep identity say? What action should I take? What action should I not take? What's a, what 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 role does courage play into this? Mm. What is what is my past choices and the things I've stood for, you know? And then there's our core values start to come into place with these conversations yeah. with heart and, and gut. So 
honestly, the work that you guys do is to facilitate the birth, but a lot of the work I would suppose you do is to facilitate the conversations between the mother-to-be and the support team that she wants or the support team that's around her that may or may not be feel supportive. Because we can, here's another thing. We can all get addicted to dopamine. Dopamine, right? So when have you guys experienced dopamine? When you had us like crinkle up our sticky notes (laughs) and when they were done and throw them in (laughs) the the garbage. Yep, there you go. Bam. Satisfying. (laughs) It's satisfying. It's it's that gaming hormone. Yeah. Yeah. You you get a win. release when you write down your fears and then you burn them. Like it's it's like so much more than just the the act of burning it. It's that dopamine response that you get. Yeah. Um, And a lot of the times, you know, our clients do things like that. Mm -hmm. They write down um, the pros and the cons and they process the pros and they process the cons. And then, you know, they scratch them out and it's like so satisfying to just like scratch out that con and be like, that's really not that big of a con. Or like she said, you write down your fear, you write down all your fears, you process that fear, and then you literally just watch it burn. So that same dynamic of getting that hit of dopamine Mm -hmm. occurs in conversations. So another thing that might be happening when somebody is finding resistance is that either they or the other person or people are addicted to being right. I read this, I know this, so I must be right. And if you do what I say, or just the fact that I can tell you what to do, notice I'm telling, not partnering and Mm -hmm. co-creating a solution or a new future with you or an idea of how we can proceed. Whenever you have to get your own way, or you have to be right, or you have to tell somebody and direct them, Mm -hmm. you're probably a little bit prone to needing more dopamine than is healthy. Mm. Interesting. That is very interesting. You know, I had I had a lot of family members, so I didn't feel that I could tell my family members my true story mm-hmm. for a while, mm-hmm. my, what I really was planning on doing, um, which was delivering in a birth center and not a hospital with an OB, you know. And I had a conversation with a family member, and she kind of blew up at me and was like, you are wrong. You know, you're, you're selfish. You're making the worst decision and all these things. And she just... Yeah, she was just like telling me like mm-hmm. I was in the wrong, and I that kind of makes me wonder. I'm like, that's so weird because she was like knowing that what I was doing was wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and what I was doing wasn't wrong, and it was the yeah. best thing for me. But when I tried to have a reasonable conversation and kind of tell her my side of things, it was just not going to be happening. Right, and I noticed as I listened to you, she was telling. And you were telling. Yeah. So then we had resistance. So we were fighting. We ended yeah. up just in a huge fight. Yeah. Me storming off in an Arctic circle. That's never <laughs> happened to us before. Never. Right. You know, and it was, and it was just like, you know, I wanted her to see my point, but she wanted to see her point. Her point. Yeah. And it, we just didn't go anywhere. Right. At all. And unfortunately, it, it ended up being that at the birth, she wasn't invited mm-hmm. necessarily. And I didn't know how much that meant to her that she was invited. Yeah. And so then we had hurt feelings there because we just never could resolve it. And I wish that we could have sat down, like you said, and said, okay, let's look at everything and let's right. find a middle ground and and figure this out. When we have so many people just message us on our Facebook and our Instagram saying, I really want to be back, but my husband is not on board. And I can totally see this dynamic, that dynamic happening in a relationship. Yeah. Like, like both partners want to be right so much so that they aren't hearing each other's concerns. Mm-hmm. And, and you said something at the very beginning um, 
you said, you know, approach somebody and say, yeah, let me hear your side first. Let me hear your concerns first and let me understand you. And then I would like to tell my concerns and what's important to me with an equal amount of being understood. Mm -hmm. And then we can work together to find a way forward. And yeah, I mean, the whole husband thing is kind of a big deal because it, and it kind of made sense you know when you say they they've watched you plan for a natural unmedicated birth ending up in a, a cesarean or they watched you um get transferred to a hospital or lose a lot of blood and end up in the operating table or, you know all these things happening to you and their job is to protect you and love you and support you and and surely a lot of these husbands at least um in prenatals with feedback women and stuff as we've talked to them mm-hmm. um felt helpless and it's hard for guys to like admit the like emotional side Mm -hmm. of watching their partner be open and not know how the heck we got there and and what the heck they can do to make it better and so we have that that conflict and so they want to protect you and be back without you know a, a real educated conversation or knowledge or understanding about the actual facts can look really scary can be can look really scary and mm-hmm. and there's a lot of misunderstandings out there about that and so so, so I can see these husbands coming as a from a place of fear mm-hmm. disguised as you know strong arming and trying to Protect. you know get their way mm-hmm. when all they really want to do is avoid that emotional pain of mm-hmm. not being able to help their their partners I yeah. think you've nailed it. I think we're more apt to go to telling and yelling and selling the other person on our idea yeah. than to stop and say, well, what am I feeling? You know, sweetie, it was traumatic. I didn't know if I was going to lose you. Yeah. I didn't know if I was going to lose you and her baby. Mm-hmm. I was helpless, and I don't want to go through that again. Mm-hmm. So what we're talking about is getting a language of the emotions. And so a great tool that you can just get off of Google is an emotion wheel. And you can search that and there are some beautiful, colorful wheels. And you can start practicing with one another when you're having these times where you're trying to tell, sell, and yell at the other person to just have a timeout. Sometimes it takes two minutes to calm down. Sometimes it takes 20 because cortisol will stay after an argument in your body. You want to get to a place where you have more coherence. You can use some breathing techniques, some timeout techniques, and then come back and put the wheel down and say, okay, what's your primary emotion here? Where are you coming from? What are the words that describe your feelings? Great. Thank you. Here are my feelings. Now what do we do to come together on those? And sometimes you do need to have someone facilitate the conversation in order for you to start to learn how to resolve differences. Gottman Institute has so many wonderful tools about how to repair conversations and how to get to a place where you can find mutual success. Nonviolent communication, they have a lot of tools. And anybody who's certified in conversational intelligence, and we have some mediators that are people who are actually mediators instead of coaches, Mm -hmm. who are using the CIQ information to help couples or help people at work learn how to identify what's really going on. Because really, underneath it, you have emotions. Mm -hmm. Those emotions are indicative that maybe you had a body response. Mm-hmm. Maybe you had a tightness in your chest or, or sinking, you, in your sinking in your gut. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or the hair on the back of your, your neck went up. And what you're not talking about is how you're feeling and what you sense you need. Mm-hmm. And what do you want? 
And that's not making a demand of the other person. That's being so raw and transparent and tender. Yeah. And having the other person do that so that you start to connect. You listen to connect each other. You don't even mm-hmm. have to listen to understand. You listen to look at their eyes again. Yeah. To see that they are a person experiencing raw emotion. Yeah. To have compassion and to just wonder what it is that they are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to be curious ab- about and connecting to them as a human being. And then from there, start asking questions like, well, what do you need? And want? well, what do I need? And want? well, how do we get that together? Yeah. And it yeah. won't usually occur in one conversation. Again, yeah. the culture of a relationship or the culture inside the own pe- your own Petri dish of who you are mm-hmm. is dependent upon the relationship you're having with yourself, if it's yourself, or with the other person, which is dependent upon the kind of conversations you're having, not just one conversation, mm-hmm. over and over mm-hmm. and over. It all starts with conversations. And Judith Glaser has taught that to us over and over again, and she tells us words are not things. Yeah, they are yeah. representations and symbols of the way we process and think about and perceive the world and then a means by which we're trying to get those perceptions portrayed over to another person yeah Mm -hmm. so a lot of this starts with words and the words might be clumsy to start with and it might be you know there's a lot of shame that can go in with owning your own feelings yeah Yeah. but it's hard it's hard hard. to be vulnerable it is um especially when you're already feeling vulnerable as misunderstood misunderstood yeah Mm -hmm. you know like you have to defend yourself against these people who want something for you that it's your body yeah. And it's your dream. Right. And they don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard. That is hard to do. It's one with. of the toughest things I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Know that, that when when you do that, I know like me and my husband just like in a you know, relatable conversation, you know, it took a very long time for my husband to even realize that he had like a deeper em- sense of emotions you know we we have some a little bit of conflict in our marriages you know everybody does and um we were we went to see just um a marriage counselor to kind of help us figure out how to how to understand each other Mm because we were just kind of lost you Mm -hmm. know um and and we weren't like headed for divorce it wasn't anything dangerous or anything like that but we just really needed to connect on like a deeper emotional level and you know he was 33 when he found out that he really had no idea to get down to a deeper emotional level and figure out where where his judgments and um, feelings and mm-hmm. needs were coming from. But let me tell you what, the, the first time we had an, a conversation where we were both at this like deep, emotionally vulnerable spot, like our, con- our spiritual connection, I'm not religious, spiritual, right? The, the spiritual self, like that deep lying sense of person is like the strongest connection we have ever felt. And I think that just the more we have those type of conversations, the, the stronger our understanding of each other is. And it kind of allows the shift from thinking of me and my needs to to them and their needs yeah. before my, our own needs and yeah. and it's kind of cool and it's kind of hard especially now when you know with with men we have so we have these men a lot of them have been raised like boys don't cry don't right. feel your emotions right. you know you're you man up toughen up you know and so a lot of the the men in our generation have been raised with that type of of attitude, and they don't know how to connect with their emotional self, so they don't know why they're feeling what they're feeling. Right. So it might take a little bit of practice. Like it took 
seven years of our marriage before we got to that point where he even realized that there was a deeper awareness of his self mm-hmm. that he had to reach. What a great, what a yeah. great gift. And that emotional intimacy is probably one of the more powerful aspects of your yeah, bond. Yeah, absolutely. So how can we talk today or what else do we need to talk today about your audience that would be useful? So I think, you know, we talked about like other people and their thoughts, but how do we how do we just control our own? Like mm-hmm. just our own? Cuz we talked about how it comes a lot from the outside, but how can we how can we put things into perspective of fear and reality? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe here are some ideas. Let's just kind of riff together. Okay. One would be for the individual to find out what their core value system is. Yes. What really matters most us. to them. Yes. It's eye-opening. It is eye-opening. It's very isn't eye-opening. It? And yeah. then it gives you that plumb line to lean into and say, okay, so in my deep identity, these things have been with me all my life. Yeah. They're my guiding so stars. So how, you know, what am I, what kinds of things am I thinking? It's also imperative that when someone's in this ambiguous zone trying to figure it out, yeah, that they have somebody safe, and it may not be their partner. It may not be their spouse. It may not be the person that you would think is supposed to be their best friend or their closest confidant. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you need somebody who's more like Switzerland or who's that wise wise woman or that wise man that you can go to and confide in. We all need mentors and teachers and coaches right. and connections so that we know we, we have somebody watching over us. Right. We need to stay willing to learn new things. We need to stay creative. We Creed. need to yeah. be willing to take a few risks to, to test ourselves. Yeah. Okay. And... It's also really important that we do three things with these these outside sources. We can ask for reframes when we might be looking at something under a microscope that really needs binoculars. Mm. Or we might need to stop using the magnifying glass and just see it with the naked eye. Okay. So we, we can ask for reframes. We can redirect our attention because we might be perseverating on something. Just like obsessing over mm-hmm. this one thing when really it's... When it's not the not thing. Not that, that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Or when it's not that big of thing. So yeah. a, re, a redirect. And then sometimes we just really, we, we need to be able to hear ourselves talk. So there's a certain part of the population, maybe about 50%, that need to just hear themselves talk to clarify. They need okay. the words to bubble up. Yeah. I actually did that when I was pregnant with my son. Okay. Um, I videotaped myself. Talking. Talking. Brilliant. I would just talk to Brilliant. myself. And I was going to do just on the voice memos on my phone, but I wanted to see mm. what my face was doing. Yeah. I wanted to see if I was rolling my eyes, if I was looking down, if my eyes got teary. So I wanted to see that. And anytime I had fear or doubt or anything, just anything, or just sometimes I would just go and talk. Yeah. And that helped me so much. I actually watched it a lot when I was in labor at 1 a.m. when I was in the tub watching on my phone my own self-talk. And I realized how much more confidence I actually had after watching and listening to myself. Yeah. And how much I had processed the fears that I was talking about in those videos. Right. 
So that that is an excellent tool to yeah. do, use. Do you want to change the conversation that you're having in your head, heart, and gut? Yes. And yeah. when you do that, then you change the course of your ability to have this V-back journey yeah. and have it be whatever it's going to be. Yeah. But you have to start with a conversation in your own mind. Yeah. And for every person out there, there's a whole new way to do it. But I think we've given them some ideas. Definitely. Definitely. And I think it is important to have that conversation even early on mm-hmm. so you can address everything yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that might be something that you two might, may want to consider is creating a top 10 or a top 20 list of what do women tell themselves, what do birth mothers say to themselves to help them get anchored and grounded and yeah. to hear themselves find their truth. Yeah. Okay, that's a really good idea. Because we, I mean, we have our affirmations on our freebies on our page in our shop, but I love that. We should do that. Yeah, let's find the wisdom of yeah. these women who've been through it, through the cathartic experience of yeah. doing it, and let their words, because again, you know, to use what Judith said, words are not things, they are symbols and They're, representations. Yeah. And so for some of the people who are listening, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's that word that you needed, it's that phrase that you heard and it just mm-hmm. locks everything in and makes clarity occur yeah it's mm-hmm. the neurochemistry of our language and so yeah. let's hear maybe what your women that your people your tribe yeah can share All these women of strength yeah we don't have the campfire anymore but we certainly have podcasts yes and we let's do let their voices <laughs> be heard yes i love that you know and i had that moment of you know i i don't know if you know this but i interviewed about 12 doctors before I, I found a doctor that, that wow. actually wow. really seemed to believe in me, you know, mm-hmm. and I that remember, one person that believes in you, like yeah, you just said, right? That one person, and I, you know, and and I knew my doulas believed in me mm-hmm. and um, and everything, but I needed the provider. I needed a mm-hmm. provider, and I remember when he told me, "I totally think you can do this. You just have never been given a chance." And wow. it was like, oh. I've never been given a chance. And so my thought of, well, I'll just never dilate because, you know, a doctor told me you don't know how to dilate. Your body can't dilate. It was like, oh, I can do this. Mm -hmm. He thinks I can do this. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, when I switched to my midwife, she was like, this pelvis has got lots of room. You'll be just fine. (laughs) And that was another big thing for me to, to have is that that confidence of like, okay, I can do this. Like those two things Mm -hmm. I needed to hear. Well, maybe you've covered this on another podcast, but here's what's coming up for me as I listen, is that I have a sense, and it's just a hypothesis at this point, that we have a lot of negative and warped body language perception that we tell ourselves and that we hear from media and from the people around us and from all kinds of things that are printed up or published. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so we we have these deep fears that something is wrong with us and that something is wrong with our body and yep. my body can't do that. But everybody know you know, how. that exception doesn't How come doesn't my body doesn't work? Yeah, mm-hmm. my body's my body broken. failed broken, me. Yep. It's failing yeah. me. And, and I would be really curious in the future to hear what you guys bring forward in that as to if we buy into that language, if we buy into those myths, if we buy into that Shtick. So, yeah. yeah, that's, that's <laughs> you know, somebody's yeah, yeah. trying to give us their own perception, then 
of course we've been conditioned to think yeah. that we can't do it and we've we have these worries planted in our heads yeah. because it seems like there's a war going on now against anything that's honest and true yeah yeah and anything that has integrity mm-hmm. and your body is full of integrity yeah it is mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is it's amazing and that's something that we talk so much about in our course mm-hmm. we really try and and put things into a little bit better of perspective of like yeah this is what happened but that's not going to happen usually this time and Mm -hmm. and your body does know what it needs to do and it's not feeling you and Mm -hmm. um and just kind of i don't know building everybody up and with the evidence-based yeah. knowledge and the education. When you get told all the time, like we hear all the time, oh, well, nice that you guys are doing VBAC, but I'm just one of those women that has to have C-sections. Oh, yeah, why do you have to have C-sections? Well, my doctor told me that my hips are too small and I trust him. Okay, I'm sorry that that happened to you. You know, but like people that say that, you know that they're not ready to hear more or they're not ready to question what they're being told. I was watching um like a video clip on facebook today from dr phil who Mm -hmm. i usually typically don't you know i have mixed emotions about him but he was talking about how as a society we play such a passive role in our health care and that was a good example of it right there yeah did you do you know what i'm talking about yeah. I mean, she's, no. she's just basically saying, yeah. I can't because someone Because said. my doctor told me. Yeah. And he's like, mm-hmm. when do you need to go get a, a second opinion? You know, he's talking not about birth, but like this totally applies to birth. But he's like, if there's yes. a doctor telling you, oh, your your child is bipolar, they need to be on this medicine. How many people would say, oh, okay, okay we'll and, do it. Yeah. But instead of being like, well, how do you know he's bipolar? Is he the right age to be diagnosed as bipolar? What side effects does this medication have? You know, why does he need to be on this medication? And the doctor's like, we well, trust he's bipolar. The system. Well, what side effects does the medication have? Mm-hmm. Are they are the side effects riskier than the actual bipolar disorder? Like, there's so many questions that can come with a yeah. diagnosis, but we're yeah. so quick to say, oh, well, you you went to medical school. What could I possibly know that is greater than what you know? Yeah, we've kind of lost the concept of self-efficacy and taking full self-responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Because yep. we've been told so many times. And that's what happens. We get dumbed down if we get told. That's why yep. the telling, the yelling and the, the yelling selling and, we're talking yeah. about mm-hmm. doesn't work for productive conversation. But yeah. we're so used to being told mm-hmm. that we don't know that we can have we can have advocacy. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're so used to also just being on the constant defense yeah. mm-hmm. in life. Yeah. We, we yeah. We, you know, it's a scary world to live in today. It is. Maybe it, we don't have tigers chasing us, but we have trolls after us. Yes. <laughs> or people oh, who, yeah. who have, people. feel like they have more <laughs> knowledge than us. And so somehow either in their own lacking or their own insecurity, they feel like they have to spew it out on other people Yeah. instead of remembering that in our heart of hearts, uh, human beings were made for connection, Yeah. not right. disconnection. Yep. Right. You know, and like you said earlier, they, you know, you think about what they have gone through and where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And that conversation I told you about with that family member, she had bad experiences you bet mm-hmm. and she did she had a reason for resisting yeah, yeah. your decision she did she did and she was scared she was scared for me and and didn't want what happened to her happened to me yeah. mm-hmm. and so yeah it's just like when you said that i was like oh i know exactly like but, yeah. but back then i wasn't even thinking about that mm-hmm. you know i was just wanting i just wanted i had my wall up and i just wanted her to see my point i want what i want don't tell me. Don't tell me what I'm going to yeah. do. I'm going to tell I've you what I'm going to do. I've educated myself. Yeah. And, yeah. Really, really wrong. 
Oh, Lynn, you have been so great. We have to wrap this up. But you guys, if you want to know more about what Lynn's been talking about, go listen to her TEDx talk. What is the title of it again? I'm trying to remember what they titled it because I don't have it. But it's a link to it in our show notes. Yes, go to Head, Heart, and Gut Wisdom, I believe is what they ended up with. What is it? Head, Head, Heart, heart, and and Gut. gut. Yeah. Um, But we're going to have a link in the show notes. If you don't know where that is, um, find your the podcast app you're listening to. If you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way to the bottom and it'll say like episode details. Click on it. That's yes. where you want to go. And we'll link to it on our Facebook page and Instagram pages. So if you don't follow us there, you can, you can follow us now and you can follow Lynn. You can. Yes, on, you can on, on Instagram, Instagram and Facebook. And, yep. Mm-hmm. So go give her a shout out. Give her, a, give her a high five on social media and let her know what she did to help build your confidence today to have those hard conversations with people who yes. might not be 100% supportive of your choices for birth. Definitely. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about those core values. And um, I'll tell you what, you guys, Lynn had us do our core values. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that has changed a lot for us. So research that. Find your core values. And send us a note to info at soulsalt.com and ask, how can I find my core values in a subject line? And we'll send you a link. She will get you hooked up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It yeah. was amazing. It helps us, Megan and I, understand each other better and speak to each other better, knowing like what each other's core values are so that we can know like what's most important yes. to each other. And yeah. yeah. And, you know, you can encourage not only yourself to do those core values, but people in your birth team, people mm-hmm. that you are struggling to your communicate partner. with. Yes. Um, they can <laughs> do their core values and you guys can have this conversation and it can, you'll be surprised how effective this conversation would be and how much it may just change your relationship. I agree. I think it's it's pretty certain that until we know those core values and live them, we don't really see parts of ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And when the other people around us don't know what they are and can see them in our actions, there's a part of us they don't see either. Yes. yes. So Absolutely. finding those is really helpful. Yeah. Well, and knowing like Julie and I knowing each other's core values, we're like, oh, like, that's her core value. Like we totally recognize yeah. that. And mm-hmm. we, we just, it's just a smoother relationship. Yeah. We haven't fought in like four weeks. Guys, guess what? <laughs> that happens. We no, actually have kidding. fought. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's okay. Like I think it's, it, we're just learning healthy ways to like, yeah, it's cool because we are learning how to work more effectively together and it's pretty awesome. And yeah. we're excited for what uh, is going to be coming. So stay tuned. And thanks again, Lynn. It was Thank so you awesome so to have much. Love what you guys are doing. Yeah. We thanks. love you. <laughs> Interested in sharing your VBAC? Head over to the VBAClink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the VBAClink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.